0: Welcome to "That's a Hard No," the podcast about saying no and setting boundaries,
1: so you can become the authentic and empowered you that this world needs.
0: I'm Heather Drago,
1: and I'm Sarah Saunders.
0: Before we start, a quick reminder:
1: while I am a licensed professional clinical counselor, this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy with a mental health professional. If you notice the content in this podcast triggers some big feelings, visit our website hardknowpodcast.com for mental health resources and other helpful links.
0: Thanks, Sarah. Ready to get started? I am. Well, hello all, and welcome to Alex Mellor Brook, co founder and matchmaker at Select Personal Introductions, a high end matchmaking and dating service based in the UK.
2: Hello, ladies.
0: Hello, and Alex, did I pronounce your name correctly?
2: You certainly did extremely well. As well so first, try, first try, first <laughs> try. <laughs>
1: Alex, I am so excited to be talking with you as someone who also works with couples. Um, I just, I love hearing different perspectives and understanding, and especially, you know, you being in the UK, you know, what, what it's like working with couples.
2: You know, it, it is absolutely fascinating dealing with couples, also dealing with, with singles in the sense of as they want to form a couple, and some people are actually coming out of that partnership. So of course that rediscovering of themselves, that's quite mm. an incredible, incredible moment, especially when somebody you can see the client suddenly realising that, wow, I'm not me anymore, am I? And it's like, well, that's the point. You never you stopped being you, especially if you're um if you're a mom, right? You become mom. You become mom. Right. You become maybe boss at work, mm-hmm. maybe a few other taxi driver issues and <laughs> things like that. But then you come out and you go. Oh, actually who am i what do i like what music do i like mm-hmm. what food do i like what do mm-hmm. i like to dress you know what do i like to dress for me not just to get the kids from a to b or do this or go to work so it's absolutely fascinating and when when you find a couple that maybe are just starting a relationship maybe they've been in that relationship for a while i mean i was talking to a lady 17 years married got beautiful children my three beautiful children how really after our conversation, she'd really, really highlighted the fact that they were missing them. Mm -hmm. They were missing each other. They were running around doing so many. And there there isn't a lot of time. You do fill your time and and you obviously say hello and the niceties and you you try to acknowledge and, and, and show the interest. But just having that moment of somebody going, do you ever do this? And that realization on the face, and going, oh my god, no! I said, well, when was the last? So, for instance, when was the last time you and your husband went out? And didn't talk about the kids, didn't take your phone or put your phone to one side on on vibrate, and really, really talk, really went back to dating. You know, mm-hmm. when we first met, in teens, twenties, and and you kind of paid the compliments, you you asked about the day and how they felt and what they were thinking and what they wanted to achieve. And it all stops. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, it was very recent. It just brought it home. You know, that kind of eureka moment of somebody going, Oh my Lord. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've missed that. I haven't done that. So then drawing them along and, and saying, how about this? How about that? So so many different couples that, Kind of find themselves in that situation, and s- some realise, and sometimes that's why they'll reach out, and some don't. They go, "What's wrong? Why is this? Why is this not working?" But I think catch, catch a relationship at that point is fantastic, because there's been so much investment mm-hmm. up to that point, and if it's working well, and if you can bring that relationship back together to work well again and keep working and and give. It's that thing of not giving the fish, teaching somebody how to how to actually mm-hmm. fish itself, rather than just giving the food. Mm-hmm. Being able to take those skills and use them through that relationship is absolutely fascinating, and the, the feedback you get it's uh, it's incredible
0: if you don't mind me picking up on a couple of things you just said, we have this list of questions, but now I'm already fascinated by what you said. (laughs) Yeah. So I love that you talked about an investment because I've started thinking about my 25 plus almost 30 year relationship in terms of investment. And so, you know, over 25 plus years, things get rocky. Sometimes we've had some tough times. We've gone to see a counselor to kind of help negotiate and learn how to communicate better. And I grew up uh, with no example of marriage in my family. So my grandmother was divorced, my mother was divorced. Like I'm learning it as I go, and so I hit a point where I was trying to decide what I, you know, was on the fork in the road, and I was trying to decide what I wanted to do with my life. And I just thought I've invested so much time in him, and he's invested so much time in me, and so there's a lot of value there. And why throw that all the way? Like, there's a way we can figure this out. So that that was one thing. And then, the part about losing a sense of who you are, mm-hmm. I'm finding I'm kind of realizing that about myself because, like, you know, as as a couple, you watch things on television or you read things or you listen to certain music or whatever the things are that you like. I've often being the people pleaser that I am.
1: Recovering, recovering people pleaser. (laughs) I just, in
0: in order to like, you know, minimize the, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I just go with whatever. And we watch Doctor Who and (laughs) all those things and whatever he likes. And it hit me not that long ago, like, I don't even really know what I'm interested in. And so I'm starting to purposely make like a date night for myself to just watch what I want to watch or read what I want to read or go somewhere I want to go and just to kind of like rediscover who I am at this point.
2: I literally have had a conversation with a lady about three hours ago and we were talking about things and we were going around in circles a little bit and then I kind of just stopped and then, and you know as, a, as a, a coach there are certain things you have to you have to create a little bit of friction. And I just stopped the conversation and said, I asked her a question. And that is when it all all kind of made sense in the sense of she'd been in a 30 odd year relationship. Her husband had cut all ties and communication with friends, relatives. So she'd become isolated. Oh no. She works long hours. In a job that changes because of the shift patterns, she has grandchildren, she looks after them. So when she goes out, she hasn't got a particular day. So what I said to her is you need to discover yourself. And I said, the first thing that you can do is take one hour of that week for you. That's your time and discover yourself. Mm -hmm. Just whatever you want to do, whether it's join that group, meet people, because you need you need to build that confidence up, you know, you need confidence in yourself and you need to feel good about yourself because as that grows, that will come back to you.
1: Absolutely. And one of the things that I talk a lot about in my work is that research shows the most important relationship that you will ever have in this lifetime is the relationship that you have with yourself. And so, really being mindful of that. And I know, you know, the season of motherhood that I'm in, there's a quote and it says, You wait nine months to meet someone new. You think it's your baby and it's actually you. And I think that that applies to so many different seasons of our life because we are growing in so many different ways we're learning and and we're parenting ourselves and so to really find you know what is it in the season I'm in that that makes me feel whole that makes me feel my best because especially in relational work You want to be with someone that enhances your happiness, but not someone that you depend on
0: Mm -hmm.
1: for to be happy. Because then, you know, you kind of flirt with some of those uh, codependency, you know, type behaviors. Mm -hmm. So I think it's beautiful. And I'm noticing in the work that I'm doing, couples are getting married later than what they were, you know, generations before us. They're having kids later and really taking that time to create a foundation and figure out what it is that they want is so important.
2: Just thinking about what you were saying there in the sense of having family, I know I can think back 16 years, walking through that front door with a bundle of joy, closing the door, looking at my wife, and we both turned to each other and went, what do we do now?
0: what do we do yes there's
2: no there is no book yeah and and I suppose that is where you kind of strip down yourself because this person becomes the most important thing in your life you have to do everything for it apart from sleep and and fill nappies and everything else the feeding the changing the it's you it's on you and sometimes that is a timed issue as well depending on how big the lungs of that, ch- of that child <laughs> child is. Yeah. So I think that's the starting point with which you kind of strip down your needs and take on the your children's needs. And that grows and grows and grows. And if you don't claw that back, once they get to a particular age, you keep doing it.
0: It's like the frog in the boiling pot of water. Like you don't even know it's happening until it's too late.
1: Yes. And Alex, and I'm curious for you because so often I feel like we lose sight of our intuition and kind of like what it is. I mean, you are the expert of you. Everyone is the expert of them. And I feel like because of the world that we're in with so much social media, we are just bogged down with so much information, you know, and especially when it comes to, you know, dating apps and things like that. I'm curious, you know, what your take is on all of that.
2: Interestingly, I think we lose sight of us being experts of us. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's where where we struggle. Um with regards to dating apps, dating apps are great if you use them for the purpose you're using them for, if that makes sense. So I have clients that I will speak to and I've got friends that I speak to, and I always say, "What well, you have to remember: it isn't the app; it's the user.
0: Mm.
2: Who are you communicating with? That that will determine how that experience is and how successful it is for you. Because in, I don't know whether it's we, we use it differently in the UK to the U, the US, but there are people who just want to date, and that is fine. You know, you can identify that pretty quick, and whether that's just The thought process, whether they've come out of a long-term relationship and they go, look, I I don't want that kind of, that tie of having that little relationship, all those boundaries and everything, having to rework all that. I want something that's simple and easy, which is fine. Then you've got a multitude of other things that are going on with apps as well. And you have to kind of get through that. So I think you have to be, it takes a lot of time. You have to get a good eye to spot certain things what is, what isn't, um, mm-hmm. you have to put yourself in the best light you can, be truthful, and then work your way through and weed out what isn't true. I mean, it's I, I, did, I did an article recently on, we were talking about zero dating, and from a matchmaker's point of view, I think if one of my clients did this, I would be on the phone to them straight away going, why, why are you doing this? This is not needed. But for zero if you're online, this is really it's a really good technique in the sense of because you don't know who that person is with that profile, it could be somebody genuine. It might not be. Yes. This is this is the problem we have. What zero dating allows you to do is communicate with that person if you get some communication back. And then if you're thinking, yeah, I'd like to meet this person before you physically do. Go to FaceTime, mm-hmm. go to something that you can talk to, WhatsApp, whatever, talk to this person, make sure you can see them so that you get an idea. Yes, they do look like their image. You can ask them some questions about the profile. You, do things fall into place? Yes, they do. Organize a date. go and meet, because that online is great. It's like telephone conversations and texts. I always say it's 7% communication. That is not the full picture you I always get, revert back to, to, to work for a lot of clients that we have because they're so they've got professional backgrounds so how many people have you dealt with through work that two three months down the line you actually physically meet and you see, they're going oh you are not quite how I expected from the emails and the conversations we've had so ser dating point of view you can have that visual so that when you go to that physical date
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know they are what they say they are in the sense of how they look then you have to take that caution of going through making sure that you're safe you're comfortable keep it very very separate and do it I always say do it in bite size you know we talk about investing in relationships this is that first investment Mm -hmm. and I always say it should be a small investment it should never be a big investment sure because three meets in if it's not working you haven't overinvested. You should be able to walk away and go, he knows or she knows enough about me that I don't feel uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. but I also have learned enough about them that maybe that's not right for me.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, and there's two things that I wanted to circle back on that you, you know, had shared because having, you know, one appropriate boundaries, like how do we know setting those types of boundaries when it comes to what we feel comfortable sharing, are we oversharing, but then also going back to almost like red flags and being able to have that understanding of ourself, those core values. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of curious for you, as you are working with someone who is searching for love, how do you set that foundation to help them understand what are their core values in regards to a relationship? And where do they feel they need to be setting, you know, certain boundaries to protect that?
2: Those boundaries that you have are naturally there. And I think if you force those boundaries, you almost create a shopping list. Mm -hmm. There are going to be boundaries. And it's, I think that's where that goes back to being truthful in your profile, if you're going to go that way. So that, People understand that. I get told by clients sometimes that they will know instantly. In the first 10 minutes, they'll know. And that's that's fine. I've I've got friends who met and they kind of instantly knew. But it's not a majority. That's a minority. And the amount of weddings and children that we have from people who have met and they've gone, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Should I see them again? Should I not see them again? I don't, for me, I always say you need to meet two or three times because the first person you meet normally is a bit of a curveball because you're nervous. They're nervous. If you have a bad day, you will bring it with you. There's nothing you can do. Mm -hmm. If you've struggled to find a place to park or find the venue, you bring it with you. If the kids are played up, you bring it with you. So you have all this. And then you're meeting somebody you've never, ever, ever met before in your life. So you're going to be nervous.
0: I hear you talk about your clients and what you do. I'd, I'd like to know a little more about what you do with your clients and how you got into this in the first place. But also, you know, I always hear the term deal breaker. And so, you know, I like that you were talking about, you know, meet someone a few times to really get a sense of who they are. And that, you know, this checklist or shopping list in our brain is maybe, you know, maybe too sets too many rigid boundaries where we should be a little more open minded. Um so, yeah, so I was curious about kind of your business and then where you see people making mistakes. I have tons more questions, but we'll start there.
2: <laughs> yeah, we'll be here next week. I think. Yeah, so, yeah.
0: yeah, right, right?
2: You see, I just think about the deal breakers immediately there. It's interesting because, and I don't know whether Sarah's found this, in the sense that sometimes you could almost call it baggage in the sense that sometimes people might bring a deal breaker with them, but actually it's not. It's just baggage from past experience, and yeah, that is a learning process. Mm -hmm. But all you're doing is you're going, well, he he or she did that, so you must do that. Well, no, that's that's not how it works, you know. Yes, that's your experience. That's something you need to bring with you, but you need to keep it in the bag. You don't need to put it on the table.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: What you do need to do is go. Who is this person I'm now meeting? What do they provide? Do they do I need to bring this kind of this past experience and and kind of look at it and reevaluate and and oh you're doing the same thing right does that mean I could or do you go actually he hasn't presented any of those features from my past relationship well, that person doesn't present any of those features from my past relationship so what do they present and we there are so many variants so you could meet somebody and they offer this, this, and this, but they might lack something in another area of traits or personality. And then the next person you really enjoy meeting, completely different traits, a completely different variety, but that also works for you. I always say to, to, to clients, you will meet somebody, you will get to know them. You will get to a point where you want to be exclusive with them. You don't want to meet anybody else. You'll know you get there because if we try to introduce you to somebody else, you will get a knot in your stomach. And the the, the term that you will use to me is, I feel like I am cheating.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm.
2: And that's fantastic because I always say that shows you have an emotional connection with this person. Mm -hmm. The next stage is where you do start to evaluate your boundaries. You look at your morals, you look at your ethics, you look at your goals. And part of that is when you start to introduce people into this relationship you have. So you introduce your friends, you introduce your family. There will be moments where some some people will go, I didn't like the way they were with that person or how they tackled this situation. That really, that didn't sit well with me. That went against my morals and values. And these are the moments where you kind of realize is there anything in that relationship? Is there longevity? And that's why, going back to our very beginning of our conversation, you have already—if you've already in a relationship and you found this guy that provides all this, or this woman who provides all this information, all this kind of support, and they know about you, and you know about them, you have a lot of feelings, and you've invested—it may be losing a little bit of traction or a bit of aim. Just it just takes a gentle nudge sometimes to bring that back. And make it as fantastic as it used to be, rather than thinking, "Ah, I'm going to get rid. Give me a new one."
1: Right, and I like to use a, this visual when I'm working with couples. Of you know, just just a vehicle. You know, the two of you are in the car together. You are, you know, you're you're on a journey, and because we're human, and because a lot of us do have chapters that have led us to where we are, there's baggage there. What's important is to recognize how often are we focusing just on the rearview mirror and how much are we focusing on the windshield because both serve us, but if we are in the car with someone and all we're doing is driving forward, but just looking at the rearview mirror, we're going to crash however there's times that we do recognize you know we have to look in it and that is a it's a trigger it's something to just bring your awareness to but then okay how do we get our our windshield wiper fluid going how do we you know get our wipers going what do we need to do and i think that this This can equate no matter if it's the beginning of a dating relationship, maybe even later in a dating or even marriage, but to just recognize, okay, I am feeling triggered. There is something from my past that maybe hasn't been processed. Just call it for what it is. And, you know, that's the time that you can do that deeper work, but also, you know, communicating that this is a trigger for me. I'm working through it but not allowing that to then, you know, kick them out of the car, right?
0: I've also heard you talk about recalculating, you know. Yes. You know, if marriage was a journey, you know, we'd constantly be hearing recalculating, recalculating. Yes. Because sometimes Mm -hmm. you make the wrong turn and you have to, you've got to go back and rethink it.
1: And it's also how, and, and and again, I think it was a beautiful thing, Alex, that you shared and what Heather and I are on a mission to share is this idea that all of this is skills. It's all skill building. You know, some of us, yes, have had a beautiful upbringing that has allowed us to You know be a little bit more seasoned or skillful but the reality is that recalculating working together as a couple those are skills that you have to learn and so how when those things do happen instead of butting heads getting defensive whatever our go-to response is how can we work together to keep going on that journey
2: together. And I I think both of you have brought this up in, in the conversation in the sense of the word communication. And I think where sometimes it can fail is you can get a couple that communicate, but what people forget to do is they need to remember, did the other person understand my communication? So just because I've said something doesn't mean it's understood. And again, I was speaking to somebody today about this. And she said, you know, how many times do you have to tell a guy? And I said, well, if you've told him once, because of course she thought we'd turn off. I said, well, if you've told him once and he hasn't understood you and you keep telling him, he's going to turn off because he just doesn't understand what you're saying. You're telling him the language is not there. So it's about making sure that there are no butting heads because trying to explain something and somebody not understanding is, is is one of those moments in life um, but when you're saying something make sure that they understand and you do that calmly. you know um, I, I go back to when my, my son was learning and the tutors invited us in and we could see that what they were doing in the class and how they were learning. And what she did is she said they present one topic, but they do it in five or six different ways. Because they realise that not every child will understand one specific way. So once they've taught it in a specific way, they move on and teach it in a different way. And, then, and once they've gone through that full cycle of those teaching skills, every single child in that class understands. And that's the same with us. You know, we are very, very different. And it, it's just making sure that what you say is understood and then reciprocated and then worked on so that you can move forward.
1: Well, we're gonna take a short break and I wanna share just a really small exercise that I do with couples to kind of help with this, what did you hear me say, our delivery and how we receive it. And so we'll be right back.
0: Okay, we're back with Alex Mellor Brook, co-founder and matchmaker at Select Personal Introductions. Okay, Sarah, so tell us about this exercise. So one of the things that I will do with
1: couples is I will have them, whatever they're discussing, that they seem to be butting heads. They're not in agreement. It feels like they're not understanding one another. I have them turn towards each other. Body language is really important. And so I just have them use a script, which at first it kind of seems, oh, this is, you know, annoying or frustrating, but it's getting back to the basics. We can provide the script on our show notes, so be sure to go back to our website. But I have, I feel, whatever it is that they feel, insert the feeling, because the reason they feel that way, what they need from the other person, and then how that will make them feel. And then I have their partner repeat it back to them. What did you hear me say? Because I cannot tell you how many times I have couples come into my office and they'll explain to me, you know, we call them hiccups that happen. This hiccup occurred and I would say, okay, you know, what was your response? So I'll use the dishwasher, for example. You know, he is loading the dishwasher and she says to him, you can save so much more room if you do it this way. And then he immediately is huffing and puffing and is just like, "Fine, then you do it." And so I say, "Well, what did you hear her say?" And he said, "I heard her say that I never do anything right. I'm incompetent. You know, I I'm just ruining everything." And that's not at all what she had said, but it's the way that it was received. And so so many times with communication, yes, we're using words, but we're not doing it effectively. So being very mindful, even as a trained professional in this, I have to catch myself. How we deliver information and how we receive information, it's really important to make sure that we feel heard, seen, validated, and understood. And that's only through this idea of, what did you hear me say?
0: I actually started using that script. It's on our website right now. You can It's the I Feel worksheet. Or the I statement worksheet, and um, I was laughing along, Sarah, but because that dishwasher thing—that's happened in my marriage. I am, mm-hmm. I am the dishwasher Tetris queen, <laughs> and so I have strong opinions. I'm also the refrigerator Tetris queen, um, so I had to learn when to stop controlling everything mm-hmm. and letting things go and not worrying about things being perfect, um, quote unquote perfect. Um, but the other thing I, I found, you know, I would trip up and like say things that would trigger emotions I didn't mean to trigger. So that's why those statements, those I statements are so helpful. Mm-hmm. The other thing I'm laughing along with you, Alex, my guy is an incredibly intelligent person. He's in, in the IT field like genius level smart, right? So he kind of talks in code. Like he'll say something and he almost like expects me to translate and understand what he really means. And I used to just try to, like, figure it out. And then I've gotten to the point where I'm like, well, what does that mean? And then he'll say it another way. And they will say, well, what does that mean? And he'll say it another way. And, like, I basically, what you were saying with the teachers and the five different ways, it's like, even now, we're still trying to figure each other out and understand how to communicate. I think it's, an, it's a never-ending process.
2: I'm guilty. <laughs> and do you know who is the great translator? My son. Mm-hmm. Really? My son, my son can literally sit there. And he understands what I say, and he'll translate it to his mom, and vice
0: versa. Oh, that's funny. It's
2: quite phenomenal.
0: Well, he's had to navigate both of you, so he exactly. knows both your languages. Yeah, yeah. he's just both of us. So, yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and, and to both of your guys'
1: point, you know, I feel like it's so difficult, because communication, again, we're Ooh. all communicating. We think that we're making sense in our own head, like, oh, this makes sense to me, or that's just you know the ticker in my head like as a mom when i'm packing the diaper bag like i just know to do these things but that doesn't come naturally for everyone what i will say is through my work you know, why can be a trigger for a lot of people because they Mm, feel mm -hmm. like they have to defend themselves. They feel like they have to explain themselves. So just, again, that reframe of help me understand. Mm -hmm. Also kind of externalizing things because I am a deep processor and I am an overthinker. And so I will, you know, maybe my husband, his name's Justin, maybe he'll be doing something and I'm interpreting it a certain way. And I have to pause and I have to say, you know, babe, what my brain is thinking right now, can you help me understand, is this what's happening? Or am I like totally overthinking that? Again, it's gotten to a place where I didn't feel safe doing that in the beginning. But now as we've continued, you know, to progress in our relationship, I am able to do that. So I do think it's important, you know, to use that language of like, Here's what I'm hearing you say. Help me understand. And then also remembering that when something like the dishwasher or laundry (laughs) or the gas tank, whatever it is, oftentimes, and I use this language of like, that's the check engine light going off. Sometimes it's not necessarily about the dishwasher or, you know, whatever it is, but to say, I'm feeling, you know, triggered right now, I'm feeling upset. It actually doesn't have to do with this. And that's a time like to open up the hood and see what else is underneath the surface.
2: Sometimes you don't even know that's going on. And that's the point. And for each couple, it will be a different language. Um, and the way the process to get around that will be different for each couple.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You were talking about uh, something else before. I call them speed bumps of life. mm and the, uh, the the pandemic was a big speed bump. There's a lot, of, um, a lot of clients that we kind of found who who kind of suddenly were locked up with somebody going, who's this person? Yeah. Oh, I've seen, I, don't, <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know who this is. I know them at weekend or I know them so many days a week, but I don't know who this person is because they're with me 24-7. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes back to, oh, hold on. They do this. They think this. Their attitude to this is this. I don't like that. And you get the full thing. I always say to clients when you get to a point where you've met somebody enough times that you know that they're the one, you've got to work out friendship and relationship are very similar, but they're very different. And the question I always ask is the person you can live with for the rest of your life is the person you can spend 24 7 with. The friend you'll have with the rest of your life you will not be able to live with 24 seven mm-hmm. because it's amazing when they ask how many people could you live with 24 seven all your friends people struggle people really struggle to find one person they could do that with mm-hmm. so it's uh and again we speak a different language to you so mm-hmm. there's all these little things going on that really we shouldn't survive as a species. <laughs> we do we kind of get around it <laughs>
0: so we've talked about relationships long-term relationships sort of, you know, new relationships, intermediate. But I want to take advantage of you being a matchmaker here for our listeners who are looking for love or looking to meet people. And um, I'd be interested to know kind of your advice for putting your best foot forward when you are putting yourself out there maybe for the first time in a long time and and you want to find somebody. You know, we've already talked about don't have a rigid checklist, shopping list. You know, but what other words of advice might you have about you know, making the best effort.
2: It's exactly that, making your best effort, in in the sense of not overdoing it, but being positive about yourself. Again, men and women are different about this, and um, you've got to get a sense of feeling good about yourself. Whether you're, this is kind of you're just in defining the relationship, or you're coming out of the relationship. There are different things that we we I know I go through with 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 clients, but it's it's about don't put pressure on yourself. and Don't put pressure on the other person. That's, I mean, those are two, two big things. Sometimes people come with this checklist and these expectations. And as mm-hmm. a matchmaker, I would always say, well, okay, if we stripped everything away. I mean, you're both mums. If I turned around and said, tomorrow you will have nothing, but you can keep one thing, what would you choose? And I know that you'd say your children. Above everything else, it would be your kids. So... If you take a relationship and say, hey, let's strip absolutely everything away and say you're allowed three things. What are those three things? I think it really makes you focus on what's important. Um, and then it's about not making too big of an emotional kind of moment for, for that meeting. So for instance, if I've got somebody going into the city to meet somebody for a, a meeting or a meetup. I will always say, no, 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 you're actually going to go and do something else first, whether it's you're going to go to a shop to pick something up, or you're going to have a look at something. That's the reason for you going into the city. Oh, Mm. by the way, you're going to pop in for a coffee and have a drink with such and such a body. And I always, I know people go, oh, go for a meal, no, 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 too hard, too difficult. You go for a drink, you keep it really simple. Interestingly enough, what happened out of the pandemic was because we weren't allowed to sit in coffee shops and have coffee, people would get takeout coffees and go for walks. Mm-hmm. And I saw the time that people spent with each other doubled. Really? Yeah, because you weren't sitting in front of somebody going, okay, talk. What you were doing is you were walking, so you can, you might have taken the dogs for a walk or some like that or walking around a particular place. You have things to interact. There were distractions. Mm -hmm. It
1: takes the pressure off.
2: Absolutely. It takes the pressure off that person sat in front of the other person. Mm -hmm. So there are distractions you can talk about. Oh, did you see that? Mm -hmm. What's also happening? Oh, you're building up an experience together. That's a bond. Mm -hmm. That then creates trust. That then develops the relationship. So Mm -hmm. go, keep it really simple. Never, ever overcomplicate when you're meeting up. If that coffee goes well or the drink goes well and you want to go and get something to eat, go and get something to eat. You're obviously enjoying each other's time. But also, don't spend too long. Mm -hmm. Because of the adrenaline that will be pumping around your body, it will eventually (laughs) dissipate and you will come and crash and burn. So it's about getting the timings right. Go and meet. Be positive. I'm always going on about this. I don't want to anything negative this is the first impression that you will have of this person and usually find that impression stays with you through the relationship
0: so don't talk about all your former disastrous relationships or your exes or you
2: know we've had them somebody might ask goes back to the car are you driving along looking in the rear mirror right are you looking forward yes i have a past yes i have a history that's it bite size this is where i'm heading do you see yourself heading in the same direction?
1: I think you bring up such a good point, though, too, just this, like, simplicity, because mm-hmm. I think for women especially, and because of, you know, the highlight reels, you know, the movies that we've been exposed to with, like, Prince Charming and the romantics, you know, that that are constantly within us, we play out this movie, Whether it is in just, like, the first date or even expectations that we have, whether it's a new job or a new season we're in, like, this idea of playing out the movie of, okay, I'm going to meet this person, and then they already have, like... A Pinterest board of like what their wedding is going to look like and, you know, all of this stuff. And so I really do think that it's important to just acknowledge if you are someone that oftentimes lives in this fantasy, there's nothing wrong with that. However, honor that, acknowledge it, but then park that and be able to say, okay, I am going to ground myself. I am a huge, huge advocate of fresh air movement, being outdoors. So I love hearing you say that you in your work have noticed people, the time doubled just by engaging in that outdoor experience together. I I just think it's a beautiful reminder of be where your feet are. Allow yourself to be present. Again, don't shame or blame or criticize yourself for the possibility of you playing out that movie but also recognizing how can i show up as myself and see where this takes me
2: from a, uh, a kind of psychological mental situation if you are walking in the sun you've got the sunshine that's going to help your mood your, mm-hmm. the movement it will, mm-hmm. body the chemicals released it all helps All creates that euphoria
0: you know we talked about being positive and meeting someone and kind of communication all that talking about the the fantasy and in, in i feel comfortable saying women's heads mostly primarily were conditioned to have these these fantasies you know i i see women i know who are trying to date who get really depressed and really disappointed when they're, you know, they're finding frog after frog after frog. And, and so I wondered if you had words of advice about, you know, maybe that's just a process of elimination. Maybe you're making, you're figuring out what you like and what you don't like so that you find the right person.
2: Interestingly, I actually think it crosses both genders. Okay. And part of the problem we have is social media. Yeah. Because what you are shown is a perfect image that's created. Yep. It's something that is put together, filtered, tweaked, snapped, put out there with some some message. What you don't see is the mess and the carnage of whatever it is outside outside that shop. Right. And that's the same with life. Guys get it, so they go, That's that's what women look like. The images that we're seeing are unrealistic.
0: Mm -hmm. Right.
2: There are ladies that will try and or girls that will try and recreate that which is impossible so there is a a real conundrum on people expectations and what they see Mm -hmm. what is reality and what isn't reality
1: and heather you know what you were kind of alluding to in regards to like finding love later in life Mm -hmm. what's really interesting is as we've been talking about you know the baggage and things like that is that more times than not, people, they got married at a young age. It was almost this expectation of what they thought they were supposed to do without truly discovering who it is that they are and then finding out that maybe, you know, they're not compatible, whether it, you know, addiction or affairs or whatever, you know, has happened. But I think what I'm noticing in the work that I do is as women women specifically that are struggling with being confident, not allowing their past to define them going into these new relationships. So being able to acknowledge, yes, this is my history. Yes, I have kids. Yes, I am co-parenting. But then being able to come as they are, but also finding a partner that also is at that same emotional level. Because when they go through the divorce, they're doing a lot of that soul searching. They're doing more of that figuring out who they are and wanting to find someone who is at that same level. That stage, that yeah. season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that can be really difficult as you're merging two, you know, different very intricate and detailed histories.
2: It was research that I did, um and that's been done over the years I've been matchmaking in the sense that I do find that a lot of couples were divorced at the stage their last child was in about eight, five and under. Mm. So whether they had one child, three children, there was that commonality, there was that through line that when you look at how long somebody's been separated, divorced, always tallied up with that age grouping.
1: I'm also seeing in my work, you know, this is where intimacy can be a big, you know, they can plateau because we don't feel good about ourselves on the external. And so then internally, you know, we're not doing the things that we were doing in the beginning of our relationship. And so this is a time, you know, whether it's postpartum, whether it's postmenopause, you know, whatever we're going through, it's really important you know, that we're continuing to just be honest with ourselves, recognize what's going on and, and communicating those things together.
2: Mm. And I think it's, I, 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 I kind of describe it as you, you've got to start dating each other again, mm-hmm. even though I don't like the word dating, you have to go through that process of finding out about, mm-hmm. you know, from a guy, what does she like? What does she find interesting?
0: Mm -hmm.
2: What do I do that attracts her to me? You know, what makes her feel good? You have to, you have to rediscover that.
0: Wonderful advice. Thank you so much for your time and your expertise. This has been a wonderful conversation. I could go on and on. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. We will definitely have all of
1: your links in our show notes so that people can find you but thank you for taking this time and being with us today
2: it's pleasure you
0: So, Sarah, you're so great on social media. You've been putting out these polls with people saying, hey, send us your questions. And we've gotten some great ones. And I know you have one uh, you want to talk about. So let's hear it.
1: Absolutely. And if listeners, you do have a question, please let us know because we would love to hear it. The most recent question that I had gotten um, was, how do I approach my husband to ask him to spend more time at home with the kids. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Oh, boy. (laughs) I'm remembering when my kids were young and I'm getting all hot and bothered just thinking about this question. (laughs) Yes. Well, and it's, it's interesting
1: because even though this is a specific question, but this theme comes up a lot Mm -hmm. and one thing that I think is important to just acknowledge is again checking in with yourself you know really thinking about what do I need more of am I feeling very suffocated am I feeling like you know this invisible load and that you know our partnership is not equal Mm -hmm. Um, I think that there's oftentimes when it comes to a question or frustration with our partner there's more underneath the surface so really taking some time to think about and reflect yourself Mm -hmm. if my husband were to stay home with the kids and I were to not be there, what is it that I would want to be doing? Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to gender, oftentimes, women fall into a certain role, whether that was generational patterns, they were taught that, or, you know, societal messaging, we women operate a certain way. And so It's also important to be gentle with our husbands or with our partners and recognize it's not necessarily their fault, but this is a great time for us to to bring our curiosity to it. You know, conflict, oftentimes, I like to frame, to reframe. Conflict is a way to reconnect. It's a way to be curious about what's going on. And so, I would encourage you, and with Alex, we had talked about using I statements and using a script to kind of share how we were feeling. So, you know, you could approach your husband and just share, you know, I'm feeling touched out. I'm feeling overwhelmed because I have not had much time to myself. What I really need is a night out or a few hours to myself that would really help me to recharge. You know, making sure that we're sensitive to the timing in which we're presenting this information, but also really making it about us.
0: Yeah, not setting up an attack of you never do this Mm -hmm. and you never do that. And yeah,
1: bingo, because those you statements can be very triggering. Mm hmm. Oftentimes when this question is asked, we're also at, at a breaking point because it comes when we're realizing we're tired. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I I think it's a really important conversation to have and also asking our, our partner, how do you feel about having some time with the kids? Maybe they don't feel fully confident in their ability to mm-hmm. you know hold down you know the home while mom is gone Um maybe even asking hey you know having them spend more time with the kids too explaining how important that dynamic is and it doesn't have to always be an astronomical amount of time but a lot of research does suggest that even five minutes of one-on-one quality time can make such an impact in our child's development. Mm-hmm. And so, um, mm-hmm. finding things in common—you know, maybe if your husband he likes to be outside, you know, having him and your child go outside together, or reading together, or cooking a meal together, or whatever it is—but really. I think the biggest thing is just having that honest and open conversation, Mm -hmm. feeling safe enough in the relationship to be able to communicate those things. Mm -hmm. And then there's an exercise that I do, you know, in therapy, you know, having each of the um, partners sit down and they write a list of like, what do I need more of? What do I need less of? and t- just sharing that without judgment without criticism shame or blame but just saying in order for me to feel more like myself mm-hmm. you know i i need less of you know doing the laundry all the time right as silly mm-hmm. as it is but then i need more quality time with my girlfriends or i need you know to be moving my body more so again just identifying those things and then together Talking about how can we together problem solve and make those things happen.
0: Two things that pop in my mind as you're talking is um, those I statements are so important. And I, I'm remembering back when my children were young and I needed to have a creative outlet. And so, you know, John and I negotiated time he would be the primary parent and I would go off to my studio and come back and but we figured out a way to do it in a way that wasn't too hard for him but the thing that I remember as a young mom I the he said at one time and that was he was going to babysit the kids and I was like whoa 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 wait a minute now <laughs> these are your children you are not a babysitter you are a parent and so it was one of those you know those hot button conversations, I think a lot of, um, I think you're right, society dictates sort of our um, attitudes sometimes, um, and has sort of given us some of the wrong messages. And I think there are some men out there who don't feel it's their responsibility to watch the kids. And so that honest conversation has to happen about, we're both in this together, buddy. And, um, (laughs) but in a positive way, like you're talking about. And the other thing that pops to mind, um, something a uh, counselor told me once is that in a re- any relationship, it's not always 50-50. Mm-hmm. It's not – you can't always – There are times when you give more and there are times when the other person gives more. And that's just the way it is. And you hope over time you work together to make it balance out. But it's not always going to be perfectly even, Stephen. Right. So and you have to be okay with that and know that this is my turn now and this is your turn later or whatever. Right.
1: Well, and you bring up a good point, you know, just in regards to we think everything needs to be balanced and more times than not. It's about counterbalance,
0: right? And so... Oh, that's a good way. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to say it.
1: And and the other thing is there is a great book by Eve Rodsky called Fair Play. And she talks about this dynamic and how equal partnerships. Mm-hmm. Um, and she actually has a card game that goes with this that is actually this, this deck of cards. And it has anything that you could think of from, you know, your domestic responsibilities to also parenting and what this card game does. And I actually will do this in my office using index cards so this is something you could do with index cards again when i do this exercise and you're gonna hear me say this time and time again it's not about blaming or shaming or judging Mm -hmm. or criticizing it's just about acknowledging because we can't change what we don't acknowledge right and so just having you know each partner write a list of kind of their daily tasks, their weekly tasks, their monthly tasks, everything from, you know, car maintenance to house maintenance to taking their kids places, all of that. Really think about all of the things that they're doing. And then you write each one on, a, on an index card or that you can buy this card system. Amazon has it. And you just hold the card that you are oftentimes responsible for. And what this does is it visually allows you to see how many cards is one partner carrying versus the other, Mm -hmm. and then also being able to delegate to say, "Okay, I notice that you have more cards in your deck than mine. What are some cards that you would be you would feel safe enough to delegate, you know, talking about that? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes we do get overwhelmed with these tasks and responsibilities when really I say this respectfully and gently, but we're doing it to ourselves because we just sure we we don't want to give up that control, or they can't do it the same way that I do. Or if I have to remind him. It's just so much easier for me to do it. And so these false narratives Mm -hmm. create resentment. Right. And so if we can just, and again, to your point, it's not always about perfect balance, but if we can start to see and go week by week, this week, here are the cards that I'm going to take care of. Here are the cards that you're going to take care of. It allows for everyone to feel like they're playing a part to provide that you know foundation that's needed
0: that's fascinating i've never heard of that game or that book so i'll have to look into that yes well thanks sarah i think that was pretty helpful i'm sure more people will have follow-up questions (laughs) and can relate to the situation so again we want to hear it so please visit our website and send us a message or message us on social media That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Visit our website, hardnopodcast.com for this episode's show notes, past episodes, downloadables, and links to resources. Also, you'll find links to each of our websites, clevergirlmarketing.com and purposefulgrowthandwellness.com.
1: Make sure to follow and get in touch with us on social. We're at hardnopodcast.com. On Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.
0: And please do us a huge favor. If you liked what you heard here, please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast wherever you listen so others can find us too.
1: Thanks to our friends and family, our villagers, for listening, and for all your continued support.
0: That's a Hard No is a joint production of Clever Girl Marketing and Purposeful Growth and Wellness.
1: Marketing and Production Coordinator, Mara Del Rosario.
0: Production Support, Evergreen Podcasts, Noah Fouts, Producer.
1: Music by Gigi Riggs.
0: Until next time, thanks for listening.
1: And remember, saying no isn't just
0: okay. Saying no is the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life.
1: So do it. Find your no, then say it unapologetically. That's a hard
0: no. Hi, my name is Sara, and I want to tell you about my podcast called